What is self, identity, and experience? Matt, if someone watched every episode of your rambles, would they have a good idea of who you are as a person? Yeah. I mean, just watching my streams, you'd get the good idea about that. But it's one of those things where, what does it mean to be a person? As in, can anyone ever understand the totality of a person? Is, is there a distinct thing of you that could be called an individual? As in like, so my personality right now, acting on stream as I do, is who I am. Because most of my life is consumed by making content. There is nowhere else that I am someone else, someone else, because I don't really go anywhere else. You know, you act differently at home versus how you are at work versus how you are around your friends, versus how you are around your parents, versus how you are around strangers, versus how you are around in a restaurant. Like you act differently. And let's say that um, you lost all your friends and therefore that part of your life where you act in that way with your friends is now gone. Are you a different person now? Or would you slowly change as a person because you're no longer behaving in a particular way speaking in a particular way, as you were once before. What I'm trying to say is, once upon a time, I went to work. I had friends. I went to the shops. I went to the cinemas. You know, I spent more time with my family. And I acted differently then. Was I a different person? Is is me on stream who I really am? Or have I just been in this situation of being on stream so long that I've forgotten how I act in other other cases? To put it another way, when I say I am like how I am on stream in real life, it's more that my entire life is my stream. It is my content. If I would act significantly different in other environments, I wouldn't know that at this point because I'm not in other environments enough. Like if I were to stop streaming and let's say I lose all my money and I end up on the street uh, begging for money, uh, you would imagine I would act differently than I act now. Would that version of me be any less me. I watch content from my original streams and I am somewhat different than I am now. Maybe if you watch all my rambles, you will get a sense of who I am now, but not necessarily who I was in the past or who I will be in the future. You pretty much change completely every five, 10 years, perhaps. That's what people say. But I think people say that based upon an assumption of a change of life experience or like every uh, five years, you know, you're likely to have changed job, got some new friends, made you know, circumstances have changed, gotten access to new information or something like that. You know, things change and you, you change with them. You know, I would say the way somebody acts alone is the most extreme version of themselves. And they are still the same person when with other groups of people, just more or less dulled down. But is that extreme version more you? Some people only feel like themselves when they're around others. I'm skeptical of the idea that anyone can fully understand themselves because we're just too biased, biased in our assessment of ourselves. And we're only ever really looking at things from one perspective and that's, you know, from our own eyes or whatever. They may be happiest with others, but I'd say truly being yourself doesn't mean being the happiest version of yourself. No, I, I've heard people distinctly say that they never, they don't feel like themselves unless they're around other people. Kind of like, you know, a TV when it's turned off, is it more of a TV than when it's turned on? A TV when turned off is not fulfilling its function, not fulfilling its purpose. Where some people, um, the social aspects of life is what makes to them uh, li makes their lives worth living. It's the part that they excel in 
and that they most enjoy. And so whenever they're not doing that, they just feel sort of lost. They feel less of themselves. It's in its true state. It is being influenced by a channel. So it being off makes it influenced by nothing. And by choosing new influences, you get the true way of someone. That's, I don't agree with that. Like is a person asleep more themselves than when they're awake? They are the least influenced by anything when asleep than when awake. When you're awake, you're constantly being bombarded with stimuli. You're taking in endless amounts of information, even uh, that you're not conscious of all the time. And it never ends. And then when you sleep, you're, the amount of information you're being influenced by or just or stimuli or whatever is, is massively reduced. You are as closed off to the external as you possibly can when you're asleep. But that doesn't make you more you. The way that you interact with other things are, are influenced by other things is still you. Or at least a definition of you should include that, I should say. I'm, I'm not saying I have a monopoly on what should count as you or how you your identity should be defined. But And that whole unconscious thing really throws uh, a wrench into the idea of identity for me. How much of what goes on in our brains we're completely unaware of. Your brain can be taking in stimulus that you are completely unaware of, but it influences how you behave. You can feel uneasy for reasons you don't understand, but your 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 broad your brain is taking in information from your surroundings that you're just not consciously picking up on. Your true personality has to be whenever you're around people personally, because when you're around people, you actually interact more. I probably laugh out loud when I'm around friends, whereas I may not laugh when I'm alone. So you wouldn't be the whole um was it the the world is a stage thing. That's one perspective where when we're around others, we're, we're putting on a mask, we're playing a role. And then when we go behind the curtain, away from people, we're ourselves. I've never really bought that fully. Parts of you manifest in different situations. So that perspective effectively means, as I would argue, that you can never truly know yourself. Or maybe the idea of self doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know. In any individual moments, you cannot possibly have interacted with and know how you will interact with every other, every conceivable situation, every conceivable circumstance, every conceivable scenario, right? And as you are influenced by the handful of scenarios that you do get put into throughout life, the way that you would interact with all those hypothetical situations uh, changes over time. You in this spot interacting with A may be different from you five years from now interacting with that same A situation. So even if you learn about yourself in this situation A, that information, that knowledge of yourself becomes meaningless a little time later because you would no longer interact in that way, you know? In the same way that all knowledge has a time where it is no longer useful or, um, or it becomes false just because uh, more things become known or, or uh, you know, it's, it's like if you know right now how many people are alive, that number's gonna keep going up. It's gonna keep changing, right? So you need to keep updating that knowledge for that knowledge to, to still be true as of when you are. Okay, I'm explaining this poorly. All you have is your experiences. Nothing else could be true. You could be a robot or you could be traitless, but your emotions is all you have. Trying to find these things are pointless unless you enjoy it. All you have is you just don't worry about it, enjoy it. So the thing about experience is what is an experience? There is like the objective reality, assuming that exists, of the situation you find yourself in. And then your senses are capable of picking up a small fraction of what that situation is. And of that small fraction of what could be picked up, you are paying attention to only a small fraction of that. 
And what fraction that gets into your brain, into your senses, you interpret it in a particular way, in a biased way that further distorts what that situation actually was. And then this situation impacts you, who you are, and maybe a small portion of it gets saved in a distorted kind of way into your memory that you may be able to recall on occasion or recognize with the right stimuli. The effect of that stimulus, as well as that distorted memory, is the experience. But it's so many degrees removed from the objective reality. It's like the experience is like a creation of your mind as opposed to like a snapshot of existence. You know what I'm saying? You will never know the totality of what you've actually experienced. You will only ever potentially understand a small fraction of what you've, what you've experienced. You know what I'm saying? That small fraction is your experience. You didn't experience the part that didn't get processed. No, so you, you do experience things. So for example, so let's say you buy an item for a dollar. What that actual reality is, is the item was only worth 10 cents. The person you bought it from was scamming you the entire time. Uh, they used confidence tricks to, to fleece more money from you than you actually should have paid. And the person the entire time hated your guts. Your experience was that a very lovely man, very friendly, sold you an item that you consider to be worth $2 for only a dollar and you got a great deal. Your experience is separate from the actual reality of what you've actually experienced, you know? There should be words to distinguish between the two. Your perceived experience versus your actual experience. What you're actually experiencing is different from what you perceive yourself to be experiencing. So I suppose in a way both influence you because your perception of the experience, for example, could impact how you see traders moving into the future. Well, oh, they're very trustworthy, man. They gave me such a good deal. But you, the actual experience impacts you because you've just lost 90 cents. And I guess ideally you want your perceived experience to match your actual experience as much as possible to the degree to which true things are more beneficial than false, which isn't always the case. You know, because there's always that uh, that hypothetical where you live under an authoritarian authoritarian regime that will kill anyone that doesn't believe two plus two equals five. And so in that circumstance, even though it isn't true that two plus two equals five, in that circumstance, you would like to sincerely believe and it'll be more beneficial to you in terms of your longevity, your likelihood of continuing to live if you sincerely believe two plus two equals five. Because if you believe two plus two equals four, you've got to pretend all the time there's a chance that you'll slip up and die. So even if, you're, even if you believe the true thing, it doesn't actually benefit you in that circumstance to believe the true thing. In any social environment, I would argue, it is often the case where it's better to have beliefs that conform to the power structure of your environment, regardless of how true, than to have true beliefs that uh, contradicts with the power structure, right? Your security in your circumstances are going to be impasse dependent upon the beliefs that you hold to be true, you know? And, or at least that you, well, both that you hold to be true and that you espouse. Because it's harder to espouse beliefs that you don't think are true than to espouse those that you think are true, right? Because it, it takes additional mental effort to lie continuously, you know? What I'm getting from this ramble is people have different experiences in life and everyone holds their experiences above everyone's, everyone else's. I mean, you experience your experiences more than everyone else's experiences. You are the baseline by which everyone else is judged. Unless, I've, I've said this many times, unless you have reason otherwise to believe so, you will automatically assume that everyone has the same life that you do. 
or does the same things, uh, things the same way that you do. You bite your nails and then you find out that other people find that weird or disgusting. You're like, oh, and you hide your nails. Or um, the, the classic, as I always say, you find out that some people wipe their ass sitting down and some people wipe their ass standing up. And you're like, oh, people do that differently? And why, because why would you think otherwise? Because you just do stuff a certain way your entire life. And it just doesn't occur to you that other people might do it differently. It's like, I, I've been in that situation before where a person has found out that people sincerely don't have the same religious beliefs as they do. They're like, oh, really? Huh. <laughs> like, I've never really questioned that before. I mean, though, it's harder, though, I think, these days to to not be confronted with people who don't do things the, sa the, the, the same way that you do. Because you've got the internet. We're a globalized world now. You're getting information from a bunch of different countries and all that stuff. Once upon a time, <laughs> the amount of information you'd learn about a country is like a, you know, a different country, like a paragraph in a book, you know? Ludwig leaving Twitch for YouTube. Did I hear Ludwig left? I originally tweeted out about it, being like, I wonder if he's going to slow down and stuff. But he released a video talking about his, uh, his motivations behind the move. So I'm like, oh, I'll just delete the tweet then. Because if he, he's got those answers out there and uh, whatever. No, I haven't watched Ludwig's content in quite a while. Ever since that time, that thing happened. Not that I really hold that against him, but it's just, it's just awkward. Still seems like a nice dude. You know, as much as you can be happy for a random stranger, good for him. Happy he can, he's continuing to make the moves. I think it's a good acquisition for uh, YouTube. Like, on one hand, it seemed as though YouTube was attempting to take, like, the old guard of Twitch. Like, in some ways, take the culture of the platform. The people who are foundational to the site in a way. Beyond, on the other hand, they clearly want to take people who bring press. And like the people who bring press are like, you know, Dr. Looper with all his charity stuff. Yeah, like Ludwig has brought a lot of good press to Twitch. And Ludwig's meteoric rise, like he went from like, you know, 900, 900 viewer average to like 20K viewer average in two years, which is very impressive. And clearly Ludwig is a person who is willing to do big events and big spectacles and stuff. And YouTube wants that on their side of things rather than Twitch. Like if you didn't watch Ludwig's video, he basically talked about how he loves Twitch and it's where he grew and he sees himself as a Twitch streamer, as do most streamers, of course, because the, the brand of live streamers still associate with Twitch. And especially when you're at the top, you know, you have all the kind of community interactions, all the streamers at the top all kind of uh, uh, collaborate with each other and stuff. And one of the things that Ludwig uh, noted that he uh, was kind of afraid of moving to YouTube was he's going to be alone on the platform. Because there is that less of a connection sort of thing on YouTube, right? you got to work more to connect with other streamers. Because most people on YouTube aren't live streamers, you know, but everyone on Twitch is a live streamer. Yeah, he said the main reason is because while they offered, YouTube offered more money, he was still going to go with Twitch. But YouTube, uh, like, kind of fought for him. Like, they're like, oh, no, come on, we really want you. We'll give you more money. We'll, get, we'll le lessen the hours that you have to stream and stuff. And then when Ludwig brought that back to Twitch, they're like, yeah, yeah you know, good luck. Like, because uh, obviously the people who offer deals to Twitch streamers are only allocated a certain budget to do that and have to do it within a certain amount of requirements. And obviously whatever YouTube was giving was uh, more than they could give. Because obviously... Twitch would much rather have kept Ludwig. And so the, the, the best thing about Ludwig's announcement is that he reckons he's going to host a, um, like the biggest melee, the biggest ultimate tournament, you know, with the huge prize pools, which is something that 
uh, melee and ultimate haven't like never done or not never but like the, the prize pools for smash have always been quite low it's funny it, me as a small like well, I'm, I'm small compared to ludwig i've even thought like considering how low the prize pools for melee ultimate tournaments are like i could have put up enough money to have <laughs> many of the smash people interested in having like an online tournament or something and i've thought about that because i because I, I feel bad for all the smash and ultimate people who were you know if, if they were in some other kind of uh competitive scene they'd be able to make a living off prize money potentially it's a good on luck because a lot week for those who don't know being in the smash scene for a long time was some of the first videos he made like smash compilations or something it's cool of that he's gotten really big and he's still giving back to uh or, or, or still involved in that community, you know? I know, man, I'd like to be getting myself a deal to go to YouTube. That'd be nice. Because Ludwig's like me, where uh, we stream for the purposes of making YouTube content. I kind of want to change my attitude to it, but I don't look at the numbers on Twitch. I don't look at my sub numbers. I don't, I don't look at the view numbers. I, I don't care. I, I come onto Twitch with the purpose of doing my thing for YouTube, and anything that comes of that on Twitch is a bonus for me now. Basically, everyone has a high opinion of Ludwig, and he's been involved in, like, every community. As in, like, he is somewhat connected to, like, every large content creator. He collabs with a lot of them and stuff, and, uh, like, his moving to YouTube gives them some nice legitimacy sort of thing, you know? I mean, they were always, uh, they had legitimacy already, but it was, um, he's new blood with a lot of connections. He isn't on his way out in his career. He does a lot more than just gaming and stuff. He has like a, you know, game shows and his subathon, all that jazz. It's just a, it's a smart move. His first stream on YouTube got suspended. I wonder if that was some like marketing kind of thing, but I mean, yeah, it's possible. It just seems unlikely. But I mean, it's, it was, there's always automated systems going off and stuff. I mean, it's not like they can actually ban him or whatever. Maybe uh, something happened that flicked flick some switch or maybe uh, he got spam with bots or something that spam report him who knows whatever if it's a legit thing i mean i think it's just going to help ludwig because it's just going to get him a lot of traction on twitter how to become a youtube member this button it costs three bucks in my country but there's also this bit but it can cost like 50 cents depending upon your region and you get access to the emotes which i'm slowly adding in as i uh, get new slots you need to eventually get five thousand to get all the emotes slots Amazon sellers offering coupons for positive reviews. Thought this would be an interesting rambling topic. Your thoughts on Amazon sellers offering vouchers for positive reviews? I suspect that it is more common for people to complain than it is to compliment, right? If 99% of the time things go right and 1% of the time things go wrong, then it's not as though 99% of your reviews are going to be positive necessarily. A handful of negative experiences can spoil the rating of your product or whatever, right? Like the reason I suspect that you constantly get emails where it's like, hey, review this product that you bought recently. It's to give people an additional push to put forth their positive experiences, not just the negative. Are you saying Amazon sellers are offering vouchers to specifically positive reviews? Or are they offering them to reviews in general? Because I'd be totally fine with the company being like, hey, yo, write a review and we'll give you 10% off. Or write a review and we'll give you $5 on Amazon or whatever. That makes sense to me. But positive specifically? No. If your service is good, they'll tell one person. If your service is bad, they'll tell 10 people. 
don't know if that's necessarily true. I think it's more that, I suppose if you have like an amazing experience somewhere, you're probably gonna tell some people about that. If you have a terrible experience at some place, you're gonna tell people about that. But like, not all products have the capability for you to be amazingly enthused. Like, you buy a set of pots and pans. No one's gonna be like, oh my god, this set of pots and pans is fucking off the chain, bruh. Like, yeah, the range of your possible experience there is gonna be not as extreme as, say, going to some resort or something, I don't know. Streamlabs OBS is trash. Quick reminder, guys, Streamlabs is complete trash and immoral. Please don't use their services. Thank you. You don't even have to make sacrifices because they're not even good. Is OBS better than Streamlabs? So basically, when Streamlabs was first made, it was a fork off OBS. So basically, they started with everything OBS had, and then they added more stuff. But over time, because they're rooted in an earlier version of OBS, it's become harder and harder and harder for them to add features. And it's become slower and slower and more CPU intensive. And of course, over time, OBS Studio has done their own upgrades. And so basically, OBS, um, uh, the Streamlabs OBS is like a much simplified, worse, more processor intensive version of OBS. So it's just worse. Rockstar versus Nintendo. Like why must Rockstar just suck at literally everything? Like can't they just suck at like one or two things? Like, they're basically Nintendo, except they don't release good games. Like Nintendo sucks at basically everything in regards to their customers and their community and all that jazz, but they at least release good games. I know half you and chat are like, but how much of it is Take-Two and how much of it is Rockstar? Who cares anymore? If Rockstar can't make their own decisions on literally anything, then Rockstar doesn't really exist. And it's just some brand that uh, Take-Two pushes out to uh, sell products. Like Nintendo sucks on a lot of stuff, but at least they make good games. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.